Thank you, JR. Uh, like JR just mentioned, we are launching a, a new series called uh, Catalysts, and it really is looking at uh, how, how change comes about and what are the things that actually help us uh, change. And it's a new year, and kind of like what we talked about last year, we all kind of have something in us that's kind of looking at how we can make progress, how we can grow, and we're going to be spending the next four weeks uh, looking at really what, what are the key factors that God provides uh, in our life that, that actually help us uh, change, that bring about this progress to happen. And uh, change is inevitable. Uh, you can't choose whether you will change or not. Uh, you're here and you're older than you were last week. And I hit the 30s a few years ago, and oftentimes I'm kind of thinking like, man, I, I am older than I was. And that, that is like one of those deep statements. I am older than I was. And that, that's very true. I am always older than I was, even when I first started that sentence 30 seconds ago. Uh, but we are, we are older, and uh, oftentimes life actually gets more complex uh, wouldn't you agree? Uh, you know, you look back at maybe elementary school and you think like, you know, it was kind of like school and like recess, Saturday morning cartoons. Like what else was there? And then you hit college and then you hit adulthood and then you hit family and then all the complexities. And I wanted to show a clip that kind of highlights some of the reaction uh, that we face oftentimes when change comes. This is from the movie The Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which is actually based on a book. And this will just take you back to maybe a time in junior high. And I hope it will not bring up too many bad memories. Let me just say for the record that I think middle school may be the dumbest idea ever invented. You got kids like me who haven't hit their growth spurt yet, mixed in with gorillas who have to shave twice a day. There's juvenile delinquents and weirdos. I'm smaller than about 95% of the kids at my school. So thank God for Shirag Gupta. He's an excellent buffer between me and these morons. Hey, Greg. Hey. Fella? Seriously. I don't know what happened to these kids over the summer. Was there a nuclear accident? Science experiment gone bad? Thank God there are a few normal people, or this place would be a total freak show. Uh, he has the misconception that he's normal because he doesn't change, but actually he'd be very abnormal if, if he didn't change, because we all do. And... Uh, oftentimes we can see that just in our lives and all the different things that we face. But change is also something that God actually wants to do in us as well. And spiritually, uh, he actually wants to change us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And as a church, uh, one of the things Church in the Valley is always thinking through is how do we help people change? And it really is this look at how do you help uh, go from where you are to where you need to be? And, and what is that? look like. And this series is really looking at this idea of how does God use faith as really the, the conduit for, for change to occur? How does faith actually bring about change? And as you look in the Bible, you find that faith is kind of a key 
element and maybe the key element to actually bringing about the change that, that we all hope for and the change that, that we want to experience. And so this series is looking at the catalysts that actually grow our faith, because as our faith grows, uh, we grow. And uh, the idea of faith, um, you know, there's actually a lots of different ideas of faith and there's songs written about faith and there's different experiences and buzzwords related to faith. But really, faith is the idea of having uh, the absolute confidence in something or having trust in something. And in any relationship, faith is very important. Because the more confidence you have in a relationship, the stronger the relationship is. The more faith you have in something or someone, uh, the stronger that bond is. And this morning you may have noticed that I walked up the side. And as you can tell, we're in a high school, in case you didn't know, and this is the theater. And every week you're going to see developments like a balcony up here. And in two weeks, I will be speaking from there. No, just kidding. But uh, you came in today and you see like we've got we've got stuff happening. And then I walked in and I see there's a staircase here. And I actually have to make a choice about the faith that I have in something. And I chose that I'm not quite sure I have faith in these stairs to walk up here and speak to you. Um, I may gain more faith as I'm speaking to you. And at the end, I may walk down it. But I hope that as I take my first step, that my faith is not a blind faith, that it's been tested. And I have tried it. It was a little bit wobbly. I was a little nervous. Hence, I came on the side. But the reason I'm not walking on it is because I'm not that confident that it can hold me. And it's the same with confidence in the rest of a relationship. If we have little faith in a relationship, we're, we're not confident that it, it's going to support what we need. And so what God wants to do is he actually wants us to have big faith strong faith and it's centered on having a strong confidence in him and him alone and so the idea of catalyst is he stirs some things up in life and he puts us in some experiences in some relationships and he causes some things to happen that causes our confidence to grow in him and so we're going to look at what are the catalysts that actually occur have that change occur and uh, the, the dictionary defines catalyst. So just to get on the same page, I want to kind of go through that together. Webster says a catalyst is a substance that enables a chemical reaction to proceed at a usually faster rate or under different condition conditions as at a lower temperature than otherwise possible. Uh, or it's an agent that provokes or speeds significant change or action. So if, if you want something to be catalytic, you're saying that you want something to speed up. You don't want it to be at the same pace. You, you want something to happen at a faster rate. And so really we're looking at what actually helps our faith grow at a more significant rate. And we're looking at the things that God does to make that happen. Those catalytic events, those catalytic circumstances, those catalytic relationships that speeds up the strengthening of our faith, that speeds up the confidence that we have in God. And that's, those are what catalysts are. So faith is what we place our confidence is. And catalysts are really what speeds up and makes our confidence stronger in that which we put our faith in. And so those are the things that, that, are, that are working together. Uh, the Bible doesn't necessarily define exactly what faith is like Webster does. But it gives actually a pretty complete picture of what faith is and the importance of it. And so I want to just take 
uh, now a few times just to kind of take a step back. We're going to be, throughout this series, looking at the catalysts themselves. But if we're talking about what really strengthens our faith, I want us to spend today's message talking about what faith really is and how those catalysts work in faith. And that kind of help us launch uh, from there. And so as you uh, dig into the scriptures, uh, there's a lots of books that talk about faith and you can read about different characters in the Bible that throughout history have interacted with God and their faith has been strengthened. And in the book of Hebrews, you actually find some good substance about what faith is. And you actually find some people that exhibited big faith, exhibited strong faith. And really, we're encouraged to read about their life, to read about their stories, to learn from them and see kind of what God did to strengthen their faith. And so in, in Hebrews chapter 11, you can find different instances of how little snapshots of how people had strong faith. And then you can look in the scriptures and read a little bit more about their stories. But in Hebrews 11, 1, it actually defines what faith is. And it's, it's having complete confidence in God as I handle life's demands. It's having complete confidence in God as I handle life's demands. And all of us, I think, are here today hoping that we have what it takes to handle all that life throws at us. Uh, we, we all want to be able to actually deal with life, to not crumble under it. We all want to, at the end of our life, look back and see that we actually lived a good life, a whole life, a life that actually counted, a life that mattered. And so faith is this idea that it allows us to handle the demands that we all have. And imagine this week, as you said about your work and as you said about maybe at school or you said about in relating to people, knowing that you have all that you need in that situation, in that circumstance, in that relationship. Imagine the confidence you have if you know you have everything you need to do that well, to handle that well. Doesn't that change your outlook on your week? Knowing that you can enter in being fully ready to handle all that you will experience. Because oftentimes for me, when I face fear and when I face just anxiety and when I face just kind of freaking out about the things, it's, it's because I have a lack of confidence that I actually have what it takes. I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do. I'm not going to be able to handle this in a way I need to handle it. Things are going to unravel. and I'm not sure I'm going to have the strength and the power to get all the things that are unraveling and coil them back up. And we, we all experience that in different areas of our life. Whether we're parents, whether we're married, whether we're students, there's all different demands that we have. But faith is having confidence that, that God gives you what you need to handle the demands. And Hebrews 11 says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. And that's the thing about faith, which is sometimes difficult for us. We're saying that we place our faith in God who we cannot see. And there's really just this idea in our culture that believing is always based on seeing, right? We even say, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. What we're saying is I'll believe it when I actually experience it. But we kind of forget that experience isn't just what it is. It's really that we actually see it with our own eyes. And the more concrete it is, the more we can place our confidence in. 
But what you find as you walk with God, there's this idea of you actually are placing your confidence in the God who you cannot see. Now, it's not a blind faith. But it's actually realizing that you're not forcing God to show you this, this, this and this before you believe in him. You actually do have to trust that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. And through experience, you can find after you take that step, that's true. And as you interact with people and they've taken their that step to trust in God, you can find that it's true for their life as well. So God provides many instances where we can see him at work, many experiences where we can actually kind of feel and see and think that he's at work. But it comes down to taking a step, knowing that there's the assurance that, that he is who he says he is. And I can play and I can place my confidence in him and I can have conviction in it. I can actually bank my life on it. It's being sure and certain. And it's it's kind of a perspective issue. Imagine if you are ten thousand dollars in debt. And you look at that debt and your whole life is concerned about that debt. You're not sure what you can do. You're not sure how you're going to deal with it. But you're going to be getting a gift of one hundred thousand dollars from somebody. Does that change the way you look at the $10,000 that you have in debt? Sure. Now, no, this isn't a message where you can sign. Yeah, where's the 100000 But what it is, is it really is about perspective. And oftentimes in our life, when we kind of deal with this idea of change, we look at all the things that we're lacking and we wonder where we're going to get what we can get. God, through a relationship with him allows us to connect with him and he actually gives us what we need where we don't have to just focus on all that we lack but we focus on the one who gives us what we lack and that's why the importance of connecting with God and relating with him and having a personal relationship with him that is the factor that that changes everything and it actually is something that God pays attention to God knows what you place your confidence in. He knows what I place my confidence in, whether that's a relationship, whether that's my future, whether that's my job, whether that's my idea of success, whether that's what's in my bank account, my investments. We all have different things that we place our confidence in. And God sees that. He pays attention to it. Because, again, faith is very important to God. And what we place our confidence in, God is all aware of. He knows that. And God wants us to place our confidence, not in the things that change, not in the things that dissolve, but in him himself. He wants us to place our confidence in him. And so as you dig into the Bible, you see that faith is actually something that that is very important, that that God pays attention to. And as you go a few verses down in, in, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, you actually find that he actually rewards those who live by faith. So why is faith important? Well, God has wired it in that without faith, we are going to hit the ceiling or we're going to hit the wall where we will not be able to change anymore. We can make a certain amount of progress, but without faith, we we will not blow past it. And so we'll be stuck. In the same set of circumstances, in the same set of experiences. Because self-effort, again, only gets us so far. Faith in ourself can only get us to a certain point. God wants us to realize that, recognize it, and invite him in so we're not just placing our confidence in ourselves and our own logic. 
And so faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 2 says this, For by it the people of old received their commendation. There's this picture of the people of old, the stories that you hear about as they explain the people of faith in chapter 11. They're saying these, this is the way the people were rewarded and were blessed. They placed their confidence in God. And we're not, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about those people specifically, but as you read the scripture and you see the people that were rewarded for faith or you see people that had strong faith, you want to pay attention to that because they're actually living in line with how God has wired life to work. We're commanded to live by faith, not by sight, not by what we see, but by faith. And actually, you, the writer goes even further. And in verse 6, it says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So there's just a direct connection. The line is drawn. Without faith... You cannot please him. You cannot please God. So without leaning your whole life on him, without placing your whole confidence in him, you can do a lot of things. You can make a lot of progress. In the eyes of those around you, you could be very successful. In the eyes of the world, the media, culture, you can seem like you have it all together. But if you're actually not placing your complete confidence in God, you cannot please him. And that's why it's so crucial. Because I don't know about you, but if I really believe that God is who he said he is, that he actually made me and he's the creator, I want to please the one who made me. And if he created the world and he has deemed what reality is, I want to live in line with reality. I want to live in line with him. And so faith is what unlocks that. Because we choose, like any relationship, that we're going to trust him. And as trust goes, there goes the relationship. It's so crucial. And so this idea of it's what God pays attention to and he actually rewards, we all have kind of a, an opportunity as we hear that to think through, where does actually pleasing God rank in the priorities of our life. Because if without faith we can't please him, then how important is it to each of us, every single one of us, to please him? And if it's not that important, then what is the most important? What, who are you trying to please? And what are you trying to do to do that? And so it's kind of an opportunity as we dig into this series to kind of take a look back and say, well, what? What are my priorities? What, what am I ranking in terms of who am I trying to live for? Who am I trying to please? What's my life all about? So there's kind of this opportunity as you read about faith and confidence. We all have to t determine what, what is it that we place our confidence in. And so I encourage you, just take the time to think through that. Where does pleasing God rank on the priority of your life? My life. We all need to think that through because he's paying attention to it. And the Bible says he rewards it. It's the key to pleasing him. And ultimately, it's the key for real change to happen, for real growth 
And so if you want growth and you want to live a life where you're actually making it count for the right reasons and for the God who made you, faith is the key to unlocking that. So no matter where you are, you really want to take that seriously because from there flows the rest of all that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And so since faith is something that that God is paying attention to, um, he actually constantly tests it. God constantly tests our faith. And when we hear test, um, different feelings come. If you're a student, you're test like, uh-oh, I don't want to fail. I got to prep. But this idea of test is he's seeing what we place our confidence in. And so he brings about some things that show it. When the heat's turned up, who do we run to? What do we run to? When life unravels, what do we do? How do we react? What do we cling to? That's what is testing. That's the testing of our faith. It brings to the surface what, what's really important. And we all place our confidence in something. We actually all have faith. It's not just a spiritual idea. We all place confidence in something. It could be science. It could be your family. It could be knowledge. It could be religion. It could be your bank account. We all place confidence in something. And I want to spend just a little moment looking at a couple instances in the New Testament of the Bible where Jesus, as he came on earth, he was modeling what was really important. And there's a couple instances where you see Jesus being in a way and like being stopped in his track where he is he's blown away by something. And what I've learned is as I've seen uh, the things that Jesus reacts to and the things that he kind of pays attention to and says is important. I've learned that if Jesus says something is important, it's actually good if you want to follow him, that you pay attention to that. And so oftentimes as I read the Bible, I can just kind of glance over things. I'm like, yeah, Jesus said that. And I'm just going to move on to the end of the chapter or the next book. But oftentimes, if you pay attention to what Jesus is saying about something, you're actually getting this picture of what's important. And he was again and again testing the faith of the people that he was interacting with. He was always testing their faith. He was wanting to find what was really important to people. And so people would ask Jesus questions all the time. And if you're like me, when I ask a question, I want an answer. You know what? Jesus didn't go about answering everyone's questions. He wasn't the answer man. He was actually the question man. So people were like, Jesus, what's the meaning of life? And he would ask them a question. But no, Jesus, like that was like I need an answer so I can write it down and know how to live. But again and again, as people were asking him, he was wanting to know, I know you're asking me this, but I actually want to know what's in your heart. I actually want to know what's important to you. And then again and again, as you ask questions to people and as you interact with people, as you get to know them, you find out what's important. So Jesus, in a way, was always wanting to get to know the people that he was interacting with. But there's this story in Matthew chapter 8 about a centurion. And he comes to Jesus and Jesus is kind of his his fame is going around the region like 
He's this miracle worker. And people aren't sure who he is. Some people are saying he's the Messiah. Some people are saying he's God. Some people are saying he's crazy. Some people are just, they're not sure what to think, but he's actually causing people who have problems to no longer have problems. The sick, the blind. He's giving hope to people that had no hope. He's saving people that the society had said cannot be saved. So no matter what the view of Jesus was, people wanted to, to find him. And if they had problems, they wanted to bring those to him. And there's a story here that I want to share with you that talks about kind of Jesus' view of faith. And just follow along with me. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, that's Jesus. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. And he said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Now, we don't know if the centurion saw Jesus marveling. We're reading it as a narrative of this is happening and they knew that Jesus marveled because of what he said. But you don't know if the centurion was like, wow, I just blew Jesus away. Yeah. You know, I kind of think like, could you imagine the centurion and he and, and Jesus is like, wow, like he just kind of is overwhelmed. Could you imagine if you overwhelm Jesus by your faith? You're kind of like thinking life's pretty good at that moment, right? You're kind of thinking, wow, Jesus marveled like this is great. I, I just wanted my servant to be healed, but he marveled. He was amazed. What it was is it was just this recognition of Jesus. I'm not worthy of you coming all the way. You don't need to make that trip. You are God. You speak and it will happen. And so he's giving Jesus the ultimate authority. The ultimate confidence. That he can do what he says he will do. Jesus, you have the power. You have the might. You have the wherewithal. I place this before you and you will take care of it. For even in my life, even as weak as I am, I tell people to do it and they do it. I say to go and they go. I say to come and they come. But you are the Almighty. I've seen you work. You say it and it will be. And he was marveled by his faith. And so this right there shows you that what Jesus pays attention to is this idea of the confidence, the trust. God will do what he will do. And we trust him in that. And so he was marveled. Then there's another instance in Mark chapter 6. But this was actually not being marveled at an overwhelming sense of faith and an act of faith, but actually a lack of faith. And this says this, and, and he, this is Jesus, could, not, could do no mighty work there 
This is the region that he was ministering in. Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, say that word again, because of their unbelief. So you see two instances with this big faith, faith that caused Jesus to marvel and then a lack of faith, an unbelief where Jesus decided he needed to move on. When I read that, it causes me to, to, in a way, to, to shudder somewhat because I think, how do I fit with those two examples? What does Jesus marvel at as he looks at my life? Is it because of the great confidence I place in him? Or is it because of the great confidence I place in myself, my own resources, my own idea of what life should be? He marveled at both. But I want to bank and I want to base my life on actually allowing God to do what he wants to do in my life as I cooperate with him. If that's really this idea of catalysts, our God provides things that he wants to use to grow us the question is will i cooperate with him will i place my confidence in the things that he wants to do to grow me ultimately you place your confidence in god but he uses different people experiences circumstances to bring about that change to cause the acceleration of our faith and so will i cooperate with him in the way that he wants to operate in me. Will I cooperate with him in how he wants to operate with me? That's the key question. I can't have God cooperate with my plans. I cooperate with his. He's the king. He's the boss. And I want him to marvel at the faith I place in him, not the lack of faith. And so since faith is so important, he not only tests it, but he uses catalysts to grow it. He tests our faith and he uses catalysts to grow our faith. To bring about the change. To get healthy. You're, you may be in the new year and, and like I, I was eating healthy for a while and then like Christmas came. I'm like the stereotypical when the holidays come you just go from party to party. Doesn't it feel like? And you have like the little Smokies there and dessert there. And, and then like the New Year hits and then you just think after every meal you get dessert. It's like breakfast and you're like, like, like when's the cake come? Is that just me? But it's like, you know, my, and I'm used to just like this eating and then like, I'm kind of like, I, I need to get healthy and, you know, I need to start like Walking again, exercising, but it's like, man, I've already created a pattern again where I don't want to do that. And anytime you want to get healthy, you, you can go to a bookstore and you can find like hundreds of books on how to do it. And there's crazy ideas out there. And when I say crazy, it's not crazy if it's your, you know, if you're doing it. But if you're not doing it, it's really crazy, right? Because it's only as crazy as that doesn't make sense to you. But when you do it and it makes sense to you, you're like, that's not crazy. It's bacon. Right? The bacon diet. I'm sure that's there. The peanut butter diet. Like don't sleep, just work out diet. Red Bull diet. 
You could say anything. I have diet. And people are like, yeah, I tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> right? It's true. And so we want to be like trailblazers in the, the, the realm of health. And we spend a lot of money oftentimes on trying to figure that out. We spend a lot of time, at least, trying to figure that out. And the Internet's awesome, but the Internet can mess you up. Because you Google it and somebody's thought of it. And then it connects you to that idea and you're like, this is awesome. There's a whole group of people. No, it's one person in a country you've never heard of that had the same idea. But now you can connect to it. And so we we kind of get this like, okay, I'm just going to blaze my own trail. But really, health comes down to, you know, making good choices. You know, burning more than you consume. Right? Eating healthy opposed to eating bad. Now, you can't eat bad some of the time, but don't eat bad all the time and try to exercise some of the time. And But there's part of it. Yeah, I've heard that before. I want like the insane, crazy, think outside of the box diet. But oftentimes that's, that's how it is with, with our growth as well. We kind of want to blaze our own trail. We kind of want to determine that, you know what, I'm going to figure it out my way doing this. You may be here and you've tried the God thing before. And for a variety of reasons, you have this understanding or this premise that it doesn't work for you. And so you're kind of just trying to figure out how to blaze your own trail. Or, you know, you you believe that that God can help you, but it just feels like you have a lack of resources. And you kind of keep hitting that ceiling. You keep hitting that wall and you can't get past it. And we're all there in different aspects at different times where we just kind of keep butting our heads against the lack of progress that we face. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at catalysts that generally he uses in most of our lives. Now, this list that we're going to be going is not exhaustive and God isn't kind of kept to these five catalysts that I'm going to talk about. He works in many ways in our life. But these five, as I've interacted with people and heard their stories, and as I look at my own story, these five have been true of my own faith journey as well. These are the things that God has used. And so I just want to go over them briefly so you'll know over the next few weeks of where we're headed. Uh, The first uh, faith catalyst that God uses, and this isn't in any particular order, um, practical teaching, like learning things that you did not know. And how that encourages your faith and how that challenges you. Anytime you get new information, you get new perspective and you get new ideas, God uses that to grow you. So practical teaching that actually focuses on how to change. That's a great catalyst for our faith. Private disciplines. It's a second catalyst. Reading the Bible, praying to God, knowing how to hear from God. Knowing how to communicate with God, it's very key. If you place your confidence in God, it's really clear, it's really critical to know how to communicate to the person that you're placing your confidence in. Because that's the relationship. So the private disciplines are our way to to connect with God. It's crucial for our faith to grow. Uh, Personal ministry, serving others. When you serve through your time, and you serve people through the resources you've been given, whether that's your money or your talents, by making a meal for somebody, coming to church to serving, 
sharing the difference that God has made your life, that's serving people. That's ministry. God grows your faith. We're going to talk about that. Providential relationships. Have you ever talked to somebody and they share something with you? And through that interaction and through what they say, it has an impact on you in a deep way. God uses that to grow your faith. Encouragement, challenge, correction. God uses that to grow our faith. We're going to talk about that. And then pivotal circumstances. Pivotal is like a really great word, but it includes like bad. Like how God uses bad circumstances to grow our faith. It's pivotal and because in the midst of the bad, in the midst of the trouble, and sometimes even the pain, and the frustration, and the grinds that we experience, our faith is grown. Because in those times we determine what we place our confidence in. So over the next three weeks we're going to be talking about those. And I, I hope you'll come back and kind of see maybe a certain catalyst that you're needing to focus on in your life. Or maybe just even thank God for what he's done through some of these things. But I wanted to invite you to come back for the rest of the series as we dig in to uh, these catalysts. Uh, there are some next steps as I close that you can take this week as we launch the series. Again, every week we, we provide these next steps so you can leave here with maybe a, an idea of something that you can do this week to grow. And we give suggestions. Uh, you may have your own. This is just a way of you can leave here and say, you know, I want to do this. And so this week it could be to memorize Hebrews 11:6. 6. Uh, it could be to identify an area where Jesus is, is testing your faith. There's just a lot of pressure or there's just a lot of things that there's a, a lot of focus in maybe a certain area of your life. And maybe, maybe Jesus is trying to test what your confidence is in. Pay attention to that. And then the third step, we, we, we sometimes have like the... Um, bill you out next step, which is like, you don't have to work that hard, but like you can attend the rest of the series. Like you can check that and you can come next week and you have taken a next step. That's true. I don't say to make a light of it, but by you coming, that actually is an important next step. Because again, being within a community of people that grows our faith. And so I want to just encourage you uh, to take one of those steps or you could think of your own. Uh, last but not least, I wanted to give all of you an update. Over the month of December, uh, we had a, a special Christmas offering that we do every year. And we really look to provide uh, some different ministries that we partner with, um, some funds for them to be able to do some things that they need to do this next year. And uh, there should be a screen up there. And we raised actually over $8,500 uh, at both of our campuses. And I just wanted to thank all of you who, who gave to that, um, without this money, as you can see, the ministries there, uh, World Missions, that goes to support ministry, uh, missionaries uh, throughout the world. Uh, Christian Challenge at USC. Um, you've also given to Church in the Valley for outreach and events for some marketing that we want to do for, for Easter. And then um, for a family we partner with in Central Asia. And so I just wanted to express appreciation, give you guys an update on that. Uh, we're, we're so thankful uh, for that. And even giving, uh, as you were deciding whether to give or not, that, that's actually something that God uses as well to grow your faith. Uh, because in the midst of December and all the different demands that it has, 
uh, you guys chose to, to take a step and, and to give. And so I just wanted to, to thank you for that. And I look forward to seeing how God uses these resources to help the different ministries. So let's pray together. And then the band's going to lead us in some more singing. God, we uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And um, God, we, we know that you pay attention to our lives. You pay attention to what we place uh, our confidence in. And God, I know for myself, there's usually a week that goes by that I'm trying to kind of figure out um, what I want to bank my time on. And oftentimes I'm placing confidence in things, my own effort, my own understanding. And again and again, you, you remind me that you are the secure foundation. I can place my complete confidence in you. And so, God, I pray uh, just as we think about that, that you'll just show us if there's any area in our life that that we really are are not placing confidence in you. It's something that we've hidden from you or knowing it or not knowing it. We've just decided that we're not trusting you in it. And so, God, we we want to recognize that. Show us. And God, we want to come to the place where we put our complete trust and faith in you. And so help us in that. In the name of Lord Jesus. Amen.